Show yourself. Jedi. I have a proposition that may interest you. My price is high. Ahsoka Tano! Bo-Katan sent me. Grogu and I can feel each other's thoughts. Grogu? Yes. That's his name. Grogu. Good job, kid. You see that? He's formed a strong attachment to you. Are you thrown with the Jedi? Looks that way. Where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? Go to the planet Tython. There you will find the ancient ruins of a temple that has a strong connection to the Force. If he reaches out through the Force, there's a chance a Jedi may sense his presence and come searching for him. Welcome to a very special high tea with Monsters, Rebel Scum, and Vigilantes. I'm your co-host, Brett, and Stephen and I have some guests at the tea table today. Ed Poritz joining us from Maryland. Hey, Ed. Hey, Brett. Live long and prosper. Oh, wrong franchise. Yeah, Sorry. wrong. Nope, <laughs> you did that wrong. Um, we can edit that out in post, right, Stephen? Yes. Um, and you brought a friend, too. want to introduce Alex Kutanos, a fellow expert in Star Wars, as we will uh, go toe-to-toe on a variety of subjects related to this week's episode. Let's do yeah, it. I think... And... Oh, go ahead, Alex. Oh, well, I just wanted to say hi, and um, I, I do just want to maybe right, right off the bat kind of come in with a fact check on Stephen's knowledge, if, if that would be all right. Yeah, do it. Well, oh. uh, uh, in the previous episode, as I was listening to prepare for this, uh, I did notice, Stephen, that you mentioned that uh, we don't know anything about the species that the character that you referred to as Mithril is. Is that correct? Uh-oh. Mithril? Yeah. Oh, is, what did I say his name wrong? Uh, well, uh, actually, it's not the character's name. Uh, that actually is his species. <laughs> uh, to Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 1, <laughs> around minute 8.15. Um, we do have the line... If you've never seen the fledgling mithril evacuate your thorax, you're a lucky guy. Trust me. You know, I almost went back because he because we I remembered the evacuate his thorax part, and I was like, maybe that's what we were watching when he kind of like his face like shit itself. Uh, man, yeah. Stephen, that's a load. Oh. That's yeah, that's so. low to come onto your own show and fact check you. Well so done, while Alex. We don't know that character's character's <laughs> name. We do, in fact, know the species. So, just wanted uh, to bring that uh, in there. Uh, it's that's you're right. You're right. I, I will call attention to that on the subtitles. He's Thanks, referred Alex. to as Mithril. <laughs> so maybe they're like the Borg, and I mean, while yeah. they have designations, they are all Mithril. Yeah, or maybe <laughs> he also is named Mithril. In a like, maybe he's Mithril the Mithril. That that Weird, is weirder that shit is has happened. Possible. There's weirder names in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> well, we got that out of the way right quick. Uh, this is our first, our first uh, corrections corner. Fact check. Corrections cantina for Stephen and I. Um, yeah, fact check. So, 
well, anything else, Alex, to, to fix uh, before uh, we dive into this week's episode, which I know we're all chomping at the bit to talk about? No, yeah, I just I just wanted to say thank you for having me on. Um, I'm, I've really enjoyed listening to the show so far, and I'm, I'm happy to be joining you guys for, yeah, a discussion of an awesome, awesome episode. Let's, let's go. Let's talk about the Jedi from the first second that... Yes. That we open is so, as badass as it comes. Right. Unsurprisingly, um, we know we were going to go find Ahsoka Tano. And it wasn't a red herring. There wasn't some, like, you know, intermediary Jedi to said Jedi. And we get a very awesome fight sequence reminiscent of the battle on Mustafar with Kylo Ren. Uh, in case folks didn't realize in Rise of Skywalker, kind of that very, very quick fight when he gets the stupid key beacon thing to get to Exegol. The very beginning, yeah. Um, that is a fight sequence on, like, on, on Mustafar, which apparently had trees at some point. Uh, so we get these burnt-out trees, ninja-esque uh, sequence where Ahsoka is taking out these goons of the Magistrate. Um one thing I know Alex had pointed out, and it's this is a good question because we see they on um, there's some type of designation on their on their kind of chest plate thing that looks very imperial. But um, I know the subtitles re- refer to them as scouts, but they're clearly not scout troopers. So are these a new type of trooper, stormtrooper? Yeah, um, and also I was curious about the the breathing mechanisms too. Um, mm-hmm. Because not everybody wears them, right? Obviously, the villagers don't, but but the magistrate doesn't either. So clearly, it's not a requirement for survival on the planet. And I'm wondering what's under those um, hoods, I guess, and gas masks that that those fighters are wearing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a that's a good point. I didn't I didn't think of of the fact that yeah, none of the other humans actually need to wear a gas mask. So either maybe there there's some other species that the magistrate has sort of, you know, formed a relationship with or hired or, <clears throat> or something like that, or either just into some sort of, you know, kind of kink kind of a situation where they got to wear a <laughs> gas mask, something like that. You know, I think either is either is likely. So this is this is probably fanboy nonsense on my part, but I'm, I'm trying to think of species, humanoid species in Star Wars that might have to use that sort of thing. And my memory could be failing me here, but um, I'm thinking they could be the Yuuzhan Vong uh, who traveled in these sort of bio ships that had their own atmosphere and whatnot. Because the Star Wars, since Disney bought it, they've been bringing in bits and pieces of the, I think they call it the Legends canon now, um, as they want to. And they're bringing in somebody in this episode, I don't know if you guys want to talk about that yet, who... Basically, his backstory is he went and discovered the Yuuzhan Vong, and that's why he tried to conquer the New Republic so that he could protect it from this external threat. So, it when I you saw can, that, you it, can we'll we'll uh, we'll preface the entire conversation with a spoiler alert. So, anything in the episode is fair game. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Well, the, Tano's Tano, who I'm a big fan of, is looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn, and his backstory is when he's assigned to the backwater of the galaxy by the racist emperor. Uh, he discovers this new threat that is immune to the force. Um, and so a new type of, they could, you know, again, it's, it probably isn't the Yuuzhan Vong, but that was where my head went because of so many Easter eggs to the legends. Uh, right. 
timeline. Yeah. My my only thing is is I know they are impervious to the force in a lot of ways yeah. in terms of being able to like see them and interact with them with the force. That so is correct. Given how quickly Ahsoka dispatches of them, it's the only thing where I could think I, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to use on Vong getting brought in, especially since I don't know if you've had been reading any of the new uh, Thrawn books. Uh, uh, no, I haven't. And those are written by Timothy Zahn, aren't they? They yes, are. They you, are. You, sh- you should definitely yeah. read them. I had um, one of them on tape cassette. Um, I think oh. <laughs> it, it was the um, the Heir to the Empire, I think I okay. had on tape. Oh, so good. I can't Maybe yeah. it, it must have been that one. Unless that was, it was the Hand first of Thrawn. one. It might have been Hand of Thrawn, but there's there's okay. like I used to get them like it was books on tape, like literally on tape when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, Al- Alex and I recently, pre-pandemic, I think we're both kind of listening to the that trilogy. Um, yeah, it was like while, Courtship of Leia era. that trilogy, the new trilogy, that trilogy largely saved Star Wars, at least for someone like me. Um, it wouldn't have been in my consciousness if not for those books. Yeah, they're agreed. Timothy's. Uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, we we were very uh, fortunate to get to sit in on a panel uh, that Timothy Zahn led at Star Wars Celebration and oh wow, very much geeked out. That's awesome. uh, and the the new trilogy hints at they don't they don't specifically call out the Chiss ascendancy doesn't call out what the threat is, but there's very much this kind of the Chiss send Thrawn to try to like basically see, okay, we're going to need allies. And unfortunately the emperor, whoever, the, whoever was ruling the sector of space, it didn't matter kind of to infiltrate. So then we could use those forces to help rebuff uh, the forces that of whatever they are in the unknown, unknown reaches there. So I, I would not be surprised if the Yuuzhan Vong either make their debut in uh in this next Thrawn book that's coming out, which it's coming out in the next couple months, I think. Oh, sweet. Um, and or whether or not we're going to kind of continue to see Rosario Dawson's portrayal of Ahsoka, or if that's going to be in a spinoff or some other show or whatever. I, I definitely don't think that's the last we're going to see of that. No, um, yeah. I mean, whether it's in this series or if she oh. makes an appearance in the Obi-Wan series or... Yeah. Um, even the Cassian series. I mean, I, I feel like uh, there's a lot of opportunity there, but uh, this is definitely not the last we're going to see. Of oh, her. for and sure. For she, sure. She has made it abundantly clear for years now that this is a role that she wanted um, yep. in some shape or form in some movie or, or series. And now that she's got it. And, and I think that just, just judging from the fan universe, like I think reactions are overwhelmingly positive. One thing mm-hmm. I did want to note overall, very quickly, the relationship between the magistrate and Ahsoka uh, reminded me very much of the dynamic between the bride and Oren Ishii and Kill Bill. Mm. Um, the yeah. setting too, uh, yeah. the way that that Ahsoka's using the fog and the the landscape uh, to her advantage naturally was was really cool and sort of the. Um, the fact that we have two women of color um, against each other in this episode, strong fighting and, and um, obviously really intense personalities, I thought was a, a credit to the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe and to Mandalorian, which is 
overwhelmingly been one of the you know pro representation um, components of Star Wars for uh, since day one. So uh, yeah. just wanted to say that up up front. Uh, but that was something that it called back to me just up right up until the end when they have their their duel. It felt um, reminiscent to me of that Kill Bill relationship. Yeah, like uh, which which then is a callback to um, Lady Snow Snowblood yep. mm-hmm. and all of those. This this very much, which I know we know Dave Filoni also has a huge love for samurai yeah, films Kurosawa. in the same way that mm-hmm. uh, Lucas did. So there's a lot. The whole the whole kind of setup feels like a uh, samurai. It does like film or episode of like, again, Lone Wolf and Cub. (laughs) Yeah. And so one thing um, about that scene where she's making her way to the wall, which uh, actually my brother Dylan texted me about how that reminded him of of when, quote unquote, when Game of Thrones was good. Um, (laughs) The scene on the wall, you know, kind of roles reversed, obviously, with the bad guys are on the wall here and and a good guy trying to get inside. but that was a good call, I thought. And then um, I love when Ahsoka cuts a slice of tree out and force yes. pushes it into somebody. That is the most badass thing. And just the 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 beauty of her lightsabers in the dark in that scene with the fog. Um, you, you can really only see her when she's got her weapons drawn. Um, yep. which is phenomenal filmmaking. And I, I bet D- Dave Filoni's probably been dreaming about bringing this to live action screen for like decades. And it, I uh, just, it paid off. It was worth the wait. And um, even just the first six minutes of, of this episode, I, I've rewatched probably 11 times already. <laughs> yeah. We, we even got some uh, perspective, what I would think was some force dashing. Mm-hmm. Um uh, on her For part sure. as well, which we don't we don't see a ton. We haven't seen a ton of that in live action. I think the only time we've really seen that was in Episode One when they when Obi Wan and uh, Qui Gon quickly get away from those droid decas. So that was I, I I'm not sure if that was intentional, but I, that's how I perceived that POV moment to be. I would uh, certainly hope so. Yeah. Force dashing is easily the most useful offensive power that Jedi's have. Yeah. It sounds me yes. that you don't see it more. Underutilized yeah. for sure in the film and and in all Yeah, and, and there's no excuse of oh we can't do it with the special effects anymore. It's like no, you could make the entire movie like that and probably save money. So I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you should you should be showing your Jedi, you know, speed blitzing people all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Um Fun, a fun, and a fun, also kind of Easter egg too is the woman who plays the magistrate, uh, Diana Lee Inosanto, mm-hmm. uh, goddaughter of Bruce Lee, who I believe yeah. his birthday was yesterday. I knew you were. Go- it was yeah. I knew you were gonna find that. I was. I was thinking about that. So she. Um, it's funny. I I can't wait till we get to um, the gallery that they they the show that they do after Mando, um, where they kind of unfurl the the filmmaking and the and how the show comes together um, yes. for this episode. But one of the things that I noticed right away is that when you go through her career, which is pretty storied, um, mm-hmm. she was in Star Trek Enterprise. She was in the original Hulk movie, I think the one with Eric Bana, um, and the Tokyo Drift 
Fast and Furious. But then she was also in Rent, which is where Rosa- that's like Rosario Dawson's biggest credit, basically, um, in the oh, last yeah. two decades. And she it was just just an ensemble cast member in Rent. But I went into that to figure out how, um, you know, how she got into this industry. And so she's a stunt a stunt actress mm-hmm. uh she, she's a stunt artist so she does stunt work for other actresses and she's a choreographer a dance choreographer as well so i was wondering did they bring her in um because of her relationship with rent you know she she knows rosario and then did she end up being hired to help rosario get ready for this role and then get this get the job oh, of morgan elsbeth because she um so I'll, I'll, i'm trying to find I, I've, I've read a couple of interviews um, she is the daughter of Dan Inosanto, which is the training partner of Bruce Lee. Um, yeah. and yeah, his goddaughter. So I really, you know, they brought in a prolific martial art yeah. artist. They've, they've, brought, they've <laughs> brought in, they've brought in a ton of really, uh, top, top notch stunt, stunt actors yeah. and putting them in, in largely speaking roles as well. Um, I know that the woman who's the deck officer in the siege at the very end is yeah. also an extremely accomplished uh, stunt uh, coordinator as well. Yeah, and so it's, it's it's neat to see them do that. You don't yeah. you don't get the people who are sort of behind the scenes consultants are getting a real treatment on on this um, on this production. I think I think that's amazing. Yep, and Alex, I know you pointed out who's the the other. Which, who I literally, I, I know Brett and I, I both <laughs> did not recognize him um, up on the wall with the magistrate. I, I didn't realize it until the credits either because Same. I haven't seen him since the 80s, but it's Michael Bain, who ah! is the uh, original Kyle Reese yep. in the Terminator. So, yeah. You know, I, I also think him not running around shirtless and like screaming, which is like pretty much what he does. Yeah, we see him pretty buttoned up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. so- my next comment was literally going to be speaking of awesome people in Star Wars, Michael Bane. So I yeah. guess I'm the only Michael Bane fan here. No, oh, you're I not. Mean, I love him. I, he's oh. he's Hicks, right? In uh, Alien. Yes, he's Hicks. Yeah. Yes. Well, he's, he's also so I went through his whole yeah. So he's in Aliens. He's in the Abyss, and he's also he's been working. He's in The Rock, but he's also in Tombstone and The Magnificent yep. Seven, mm-hmm. yep. which is why I was like, oh, because they, you know, they love, um, like we talked about this, Stephen, in week one with The Gunslinger, with T- Timothy Oliphant and all the callbacks to Deadwood. You know, they love to find people who've got that Wild West. And that yep. scene where it's Michael Bean and um, Mando in the street, mm. I guess Michael Bean's character is credited as Lang. We don't get a lot of mm. um, backstory on him. It's just kind of like a hired a you know, head honcho. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, he's in the street kind of, you know, where they have their their showdown duel. Um, it's they're both kind of fingering for their weapons, waiting for the outcome of the, the more important battle. But, um, it, yeah, it's it. I think that's probably why he got it, this is an episode that also has that Ridley Scott influence that we get throughout the series, too. Um like with the landscape, it, f- it felt like it would fit right into the alien universe. So yeah, he I seemed agree. like he belonged. <laughs> the like the filter on the world as well, and just like the yeah. dank, the dankness, the dank ferricness of it. It is a it dank ferric of a of a universe for sure. The um, so two other notes that I had before we leave the opening scene, which was just so baller. Um, yeah, and I love when she points the one lightsaber up at at her. You have one day to decide, kind of just like 
it's one woman against an entire army again she's just so confident and, and i love that so the scene the landscape um with those like dewbacks that look kind of like yeah. ata walk atat walkers are up there it reminds me of the mist the movie version of the mist with mm-hmm. thomas jane um where those yeah. cre- those creatures are very uh like I would be surprised if they weren't structurally uh, the same creatures that they found on a back lot somewhere from that Stephen King movie. <laughs> um, and what was my other note? Oh, I told Stephen this. My <laughs> my neurologist looks exactly like Michael Bain right now, like older Michael Bain, and has the same voice. And I said I had to send him a note this morning because I just was like, I'm sure being a doctor during COVID, you don't get a lot of like uplifting contact with your patients so i just was like i don't know if you're still watching mandalorian like you were the last time we talked but you look like this badass guy yeah (laughs) so we'll see if he keeps me on as a patient after that he might send me off to psych or something um (laughs) well well, after that we get we get the descent into um into (laughs) kaladin on corvus or I don't know if it's Kaladin. Right. Is the Kaladin, Kaladin the name of the, the settlement? The, yeah, the settlement. village? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and what I think is also kind of cool, and I, I don't know if I read this, if it was in The Ringer or or if it was like a dead spin. I can't remember where I read this, but it's also some of the same verbiage that Luke uses when he's going to land on Dagobah, when he's talking about like the landing gear. I'm going like to start prepping. the landing cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uses huh. this, it's the same. Which so is when he's talking to R2, that's the same. Yeah. 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 So well, why why reuse uh, why why invent new words when Dave Filoni can use old ones that are perfectly good? Yeah, and it it was uh, pretty pretty fun too because we get we get to see the bobble the like I don't know if it's for for going into hyperspace hyperspace but the little bobble that that Grogu is obsessed with and yes. Grogu. I will be calling him Grogu <laughs> from from here on out. He's wait, wait! Grogu. If you're gonna say Grogu, then you immediately afterwards have to say Do Grogu. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, that's a good name. I'm glad yeah. he has a name now. Um, um, and we get that we get that fun shot. Then you know he he has to he takes the the bob and he's like you can't you can't play with that. Yeah. Um, puts it away. Here's but, my th- my yeah. question to you guys: Is this is the homing device that uh, Moff Gideon's people planted on the Razor Crest in that ball? Mm. why is why is Grogu so fascinated with it I mean he seemed upset not to be able to get it um off the ship like it, when he first got told to go sit in his seat like the the sounds he was made ma- was making were more of his like concerned sounds than just his like I want to play with that fucking ball sound to me so I would be surprised maybe, if that's maybe. not where they hid the thing because it's easy to you know Clearly, it's easy to unscrew and not that important mechanically to the function of the ship. It's po- yeah, it's possible, and he and he he Grogu loves that loves that bobble. So, mm-hmm. um, I also there's another callback. Rook, it's it, you'll 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 probably miss it if you're not looking carefully. But I know when what you're the, the binox when they're tracking the ship down also call back to episode four. And into Rogue One as well, when they're on Yavin, you see those like Binox tracking the ship down. So I just thought that was kind of a fun, a fun yeah. little callback. That's to not that. that's not what I thought you were gonna say. Although, yeah, that mm-hmm. is um, especially when they're uh, on Tatooine in, in the very beginning of the first episode, when Luke's scanning for 
and the, sure. the Tuscan Raiders, who are now heroes of this series, um, approach. The uh, the other thing, though, is so with Ahsoka, <laughs> one would assume you would have uh, Morai, 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 the owl oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right when they land, there's a tree uh, in the woods, and there is, if you zoom in super closely, two different times during this, it's when he, Mando goes back into the woods looking for her, and when they land, there is oh. a tree with a little lumpy bird-looking thing. Oh, and I didn't I, catch it on the first the first. Yeah, one. it's uh, there's like all the YouTubers who recap the show have like stills of it, and I meant to send you a link to one. Oh, um, cool. And I was yeah. like, why, then why, like, why hide that? Why not? But I guess it's a very busy episode already. So they probably didn't want to be like, and this is her pet friend, yeah, spirit animal from the also... backstory from the weirdest episode ever. I'm sure yeah. there's a logistical reason for that. Not having a bird or drawing <laughs> it in with, with yeah. special effects. You got to pay a falconer or something. I don't know. Oh my God. Yeah. I wonder how many falconers it takes to bring the falcon yeah, no, it's it's I, I I'll have to look. I'm gonna have to look for that because that's I I thought I thought I only found the one, but just Google Google oh, the, Google yeah. the name of the owl and you'll you'll get like 17 oh. people who think that they're the ones who discovered it. But who I did see it, it on the yeah. first walkthrough and thought like, is that a thing that's gonna try to eat them or something? Mm. But um, nothing ever becomes of it, obviously. So yeah, um, I assume they'll fun, save that for fun, whatever fun set dress, fun Easter egg set dressings. Yeah, uh, for the show, and then there, and we get it. We get a couple, a couple more as we go through, and obviously now, um, the carrier, the the bassinet for for Grogu is destroyed. So now, <laughs> he's now he's got pouch. the little satchel, little he's little in satchel. a purse. Yeah, he's in a he's in a Grogu purse. Uh, and uh, which is all I want for Christmas this year is a, a Grogu, purse with a Grogu, Grogu purse inside of it. I'm sure they will be available at Disney World. <laughs> yeah, for at Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, for 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 you know one hundred and twenty-five ninety-nine yeah. or something. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't need that. I'll just make my own. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So he approaches the yep. the wall, and we got our our uh, Lang up on the wall with the yep. with the with the dudes, the, the mouth dudes. breathers. And the big bell, which also is oh, the most awesome God, thing ever. So, I love how so they cool. have the technology for like to have like headsets that can, you know, be a com- communication system all over the planet. But they can't. They have a bell as the siren to alert people that a Jedi is so approaching. <laughs> yeah, and also I will say this: that the town itself and the way it's structured has a very um, Chinese architecture mm-hmm. to it. And it looks straight up like an Earth Kingdom city out of uh, Avatar. Uh, my husband's note was that that was also very, the street scenes felt very like Predator to him. Okay. And to me, they felt very like 90% of the RPGs I played in the 90s. Sure, sure. Where and you're walking Ava- down the street a- with a bunch of Not gun. James Cameron Avatar, the yeah. Avatar, the Airbender series. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's that was one thing which I know Dave Filoni was involved in as well. So I also kind of felt like it just reminded me a lot of that. And maybe it's because I just rewatched all of that <laughs> recently. Yeah. Um, but we do have a little a little Easter egg. Uh, there's an HD smelter droid that's walking down oh. the street. 
which the last yeah. time we saw one of those was torturing the gonk droid at yep. Jabba's palace. So, uh, yeah, it's a, a sad town. I mean, this is the yeah. this is the darkest town we've seen on on Mandalorian. Um, yeah. And the torturing, the torture devices too, where you've got the people getting electrocuted to the point where you can yeah. see their skeletons. How do they sleep? Oh, that look that was that was brutal. Yeah, that was and Alex, yeah, and Alex, you pointed out that the is it the the like other kind of person who lives in the town is that Wing Ti Chow? Yeah, so he's his name is Governor Wing. He's like yeah, the only other oh, character he's the governor. That okay, Mando really talks to. I wondered because so they put the he... they put that cloak on him at the end to like make him the the magistrate of the town again. Uh, I wasn't oh, sure if that okay. was his job beforehand or if that was a reward for his bravery during. So Alex, you're saying he was already listed as the governor? Yeah, that's what he's listed. I think in in IMDb. Um, but yeah, he's uh, yeah. The man Mando comes up to him and he calls him like a vendor or something, and he's the guy who's like, "Don't don't talk to us. Don't talk to anybody. Like like please yeah. like, get out of here." So he's not. And we find really out why actor. immediately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you find out why very quickly. But he's not really an actor. He's just like this former Disney executive who, I think, did a lot of like design and architecture stuff. Um, That's so cool. So he's he just has this this cameo in it, and yeah, he's like I have a, some highlights of his his career right here. So he helped negotiate Disney, Disneyland Paris. Hong Kong Disneyland and Shanghai Disneyland. Sweet. And then wow. he did all of the design of the cruise ships. So again, he's just like this like architecture, you know, design guy who's been, you know, he got involved in like the Disney Imagineering stuff and things like that. And he had a quote from an acceptance speech that he gave a long time ago um, when he got uh, some kind of Disney Badass Legends Award. Award. Yeah. Um, where he said, my mother always wanted me to be a movie star. For years, I've been hoping Disney would make a Kung Fu architect movie. <gasps> so he Whoa. finally got his chance, which I think That's... is See, Stephen, there's cool. hope for there us. We just have to like build a, build a town or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, someday. And you, know, you need to become just... a lawyer for the, for the, for the cause. Uh, <laughs> that there's your there's your ticket in oh yeah <laughs> sounds real lucrative <laughs> um well that's that's cool backstory on him i love it i love how they work people in it seems like they make a lot of dreams come true on set for this show yeah. uh, hint hint disney <laughs> <laughs> um and so he he approaches and we get the dialogue um are you yeah. a hunter kind of confirming that he's 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 keeping information close to his chest which is smart he's you know looking for a layover is what he says but um yeah nobody will talk to him inside the village and then obviously he gets in trouble right away for communicating with anyone and escorted right. to what's behind the giant sliding doors with this sad oh there are so there are three people being tortured by the way one of them is not getting shocked at all the guy on the right the the Mm. lady and the dude that we see in the beginning of the episode are getting like like shocked the hell out of them but then there's this this dude on the right just kind of standing in his he's he he he, before before being imprisoned was a figure drawing model so he's used to standing very still (laughs) for long periods of time and disney's made his dream come true as well yeah and speaking as a former figure drawing model 
um, you know, that's, that's, that's a skill that you have to, you have to hone. So it wow. works well uh, for, for being right. in those. Also, and all those, those drawings are going to be made available in the show notes, right? So we can, we'll uh, get a link yeah. to that on the podcast. Well, <laughs> just so Disney knows next time you have a, a torture scene, Stevens of uh, ready for it. I'm available. Yeah. Please torture uh, Steven. On and the I'll show. be in the buff even. Um, yeah, sure. Or put him in a suit, like make him make him an alien, make him a mithril. That'd be a good punishment for his yes. his mistakes. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, those prisoner cages too um, are very reminiscent for for those who played the Kotor series of the like prisoner cages that are in that final battle against Malik. Yes, uh, I I don't know if that was an intentional kind of like design choice, but it reminded me a lot of those. I don't know. Ed and yeah, Alex. That, that was immediately what I thought about it. Uh, that that battle scene, well, battle scene, it's, it's a scene you play, but I'm glad you mentioned Coder because it has arguably the best storyline in all of Star Wars. But um, you, the, the Jedi are actually powering Malak in that scene. And I was wondering if that was a nod to the Coder games because Revan and Malak essentially jumpstarted the concept of calling yourself Darth which I think would be neat if that still survived in Disney. I I sure hope so. I, I really hope we get more. We know Revan at least is canonized because one of the regiments of troops in Rise of Skywalker is named Revan for the Sith Eternal. And they named all of the regiments after various Stark Lords of the Sith. So that okay. was our first... So, so Revan exists. We don't know the backstory yet, but yeah, I would love a Revan. I would love that to come through because yeah, it's yeah. One of my Maybe they Star can do better series. than he, you know, flies off into nowhere and then is <laughs> a full slave of the Sith Emperor for three hundred years and then comes back and mistakenly tries to destroy everything. Like, you, <laughs> great beginning. You kind of fumbled at the one yard line, right? <laughs> Well, and then we almost immediately get another another throwback to Kotor. In fact, there's in fact there's a couple in this episode. Um, the HK, HK assassin assassin droids yes. are then shown. They're the eighty seven model, which is what forty models ahead of <laughs> of where we were in the old Republic. But right. uh, that was also a fun a fun a fun uh, yeah. That that was a definitely a uh, fanboy squee moment. It even yeah. it was sort of a double moment because it, they're with I, be, I remember they're with Michael Bain, so it's HK right, right, right. Hunter Killer, which is a Terminator thing. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So oh, and it's it was, even double 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 win. Yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's that leading into just that whole that whole that whole setup of that shot, you know, down that kind of in that foray before the i would assume would be the governor's house um and then having the beskar spear also kind of yep. reminiscent of the magna guards a little bit when they're wielding i thought that kind of struck me as that with you know holding that kind of a melee weapon like that struck me as something too but yeah that that's such such an awesome exchange and I don't know if, if you were, if you both of you were talking about this as well, or if we, we've talked about this before, but it had, this has a very, the season has had a very uh, video game kind of feel to it. Um, it's definitely a game I would love to play. And I, I hope we get to play. I hope they, I hope they do create a Mandalorian video game. 
Uh, they have. It's called Star Wars Bounty Hunter, and it's outstanding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, it's very, very, very good. I actually I have it on my uh, PS4. It's dated, but it was ahead of its time, actually, at the time. You, you play as uh, the guy from the prequel series. Uh, oh, the Jango oh, Fett. Jango, yeah, right? you play as Jango Fett, and it's very, very good. Yeah, Sorry, they... I'm back. I, I left and went to the bathroom. Are you guys still talking about video games? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it being very reminiscent of Coder. Um, th- th- there's actually a Mandalorian character in Coder. And that was right. that character was where I learned all the lore on the Mandos. Yeah, about the Mandalorians. And, and I don't know now if that is all still canon about how the, the, the mantle is passed down from warrior to warrior and they have to unite the clans and all this stuff. I, I, I get the feeling that they're leaking in concepts of Mandalore with this Children of the Watch. And I, and I, I really do, because with the way they're not, the same way that Mandalore wouldn't take his helmet off. I feel right. like I feel like this this sect of mandalorians is following some version of that which it's cool because I, I feel like we're getting a lot of the a lot of that old republic stuff that you know we they kind of just kind of kept siloed um yeah. okay. that. so we need that's, we need yeah. to give a primer to some of our audience that needs um needs to like be able to fill in or backfill some of the knowledge that um, people who are more close to the old Republic stuff have, because I'm getting a lot of questions um, yeah. from folks on Facebook and in our group about all about of this. That. And yeah, it's, I mean, not everybody has played all of the games dating sure. back, but it's, it's interesting when you get that intersection of media, because I mean, it's very lucrative mm-hmm. for Disney <laughs> to be able to say, well, go, Go right. back and play, play those games. Twenty years of video games, read all of the books, and then buy the comics, and also watch all the movies and the TV shows. Like, there's limitless right. possibility for them to spin this out into. Yep. Um, and now they're inter- and with introducing the High Republic, then we're going to have a whole other yep. domain of information that'll be. Yeah, good. but that'll be very. I think that'll be like the the shooting that through Taika Waititi's lens is going to make it pretty accessible to people too i think it's it's great for anyone who wants to go deeper into the backstory of years and years of 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 storytelling but um you know taika is really good at at making things um less intimidating and uh, comical so i think that'll be that'll be really exciting to see um so he so we have the the magistrates on the other side of those massive sliding doors in a very Jurassic Park looking gate. Um, Something bothers me about the fish that she's always feeding or whatever it is that she's always feeding in the water there. Like they take a lot of shots of her sprinkling fish food for it to be meaningless. I kept thinking something was going to come out of the water there Mm -hmm. um, during her fight scene with Ahsoka. Uh, because I was like, there, there's just too much. Nothing is accidental in the Mandalorian, so I was just like, why, why do they keep shifting this back to her hand yeah. feeding the fish? But nothing ever came of it. I was like, is Thrawn in the water? What's happening? Is he like <laughs> under, <laughs> under that walkway, and she's feeding him? Um, so yeah. I wonder too if it could be, you know, in the same way that. You know, we've been talking about how there are so many martial arts film references and influences and 
you know, how it, this really does feel like they kind of have, have done like a hybrid martial arts film, you know, and then like a, a Western kind of duel right. with Mandalorian and, and Lang. I wonder if maybe that's a, a reference to something. Maybe there's some film that we haven't seen where oh. yeah. the, a hero is like eating koi or something like that. You know, Man, if it's something that, felt... that all four of us are are drawing a blank on, that's that's got to be obscure. But you're probably right, Alex. <laughs> I mean, like, there's just there's no accidents. Nothing is accidental. It's probably something Dave Filoni has. Like, maybe Dave Filoni has like a koi fetish or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Is there a Bruce Lee film that has something like that in that? I don't think so. Yeah. It's I a mean, shout out I... to the Naked Gun, of course. Duh. Is it? Of course. Really? Of course. Really? Of course. When he when he's feeding the fish and then he gets the lionfish attached to his hand and Ricardo Montalban is speechifying about something. I don't know. Of course it oh. is. Oh, that's totally okay. it. And you'll never convince me otherwise. Well, which is I mean... probably in reference to some other like probably like Shaw Brothers. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's thing. probably like a Marx yeah. Brothers thing. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna bother me until I find out. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's going to be some 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 bloggers going to write some. I know, but I've watched and read a lot of stuff in the like 36 <laughs> hours since I first started watching this over and over and over again, and I am still like, what? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. so that, so that was a good scene though with Naked Gun. Yeah, oh, that's definitely it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then we have we have. Uh, what do we know? Alex or Steven is Morgan Elspeth a person no. th that no. we know anything about? I was like, mm -hmm. is this like a pseudonym for somebody who belongs to some Sith circle? Cause she's, she's clearly not, she's not using the force. She's not a Jedi or a Sith. She's, no. she's got a Beskar spear and she's some sort of like despot. I, I'll put, leader. I'll put a ton of money on the fact that she's going to be in the third Thrawn book. Well, that's, I think that, you know, we've got Governor Price, which she made her debut in the first Thrawn book prior to Rebels, right? I think, I think that the order of, so long since I was, yeah, I don't, I don't know which came first. On cassette I, I feel, I feel like that because, you know, that, or, or maybe, maybe Timothy Zahn just kind of picked up on that because she gets a ton of backstory in the Thrawn books. So I feel like it wouldn't be this shocking. TBD for us, for her. Yeah, I feel like we're going to get stuff in that third book because, again, she's she re helped rebuild build this the the Imperial fleet, which was primarily built by Sinar. Was it Sinar? Sinar Enterprises. So, um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure she's going to play some type of role. But I, I that was my first thing. I was like, her name also is like like for a star wars name is less weird than like your well, stand, your, your everyday so star wars name this is one of the other things too is um morgan obviously is a um the female sister of uh or not necessarily the sister it depends on the variation but it's a king arthur reference oh like morgana the foe yeah like a foe of uh merlin oh. wizard right. sorceress woman yeah um, me maybe there, there's also that weird tattoo on her forehead and i and i for the life of me was trying to figure out what that was in reference to because yeah. again i don't think that's accidental either yeah um, 
So. Well, she's clearly up on her lore and uh, like she knows about the the relationship between a Mandalorian and a Jedi. Like these are the ancient, you know, because he's saying my yes. price is high. I'm yes. not sure I'm down for this. And we know he's just using her for the information he can get to get to Ahsoka. But right. she's thinking, oh, like, and, and that's the other thing, too. I said to my husband, I'm like, well, how come she knows he's trustworthy? Like everyone just assumes every like Mandalorian that they see is like a hired gun for the, like, the cause of evil or good depending on what their own needs are with no vetting. Um, yeah. Anyone who runs his code would know. Yeah. They didn't check his guild status. I don't think they're just they like, just are you said, a member of the guild? And, and like, he said, yeah. last time I checked is what yeah. he said. And that's like it. So one, sorry, I want to do one kind of quick throwback to the very, to the near the beginning. So um, the magistrate calls Ahsoka a Jedi. And I think Alex, you had pointed this out to me too. You know, Ahsoka goes out of her way to say she's not a Jedi. Exactly. Anymore. I was like, and she doesn't deny it. Yeah. She doesn't. She. It's when she's. Is it when she's fighting Vader? No, it's right at the beginning. So she. Oh yeah, sorry. When when she says that. Um, yes, sorry. I was thinking in this episode, but yeah, when she's over and over in the fights. I mean, she says it myriad times in in Clone Wars and in right. Rebels. Right. And so I think it's interesting that she doesn't go out of her way to say, I'm no longer a Jedi yeah, in that moment. Well, so has she there's had... a beat when she says, show yourself Jedi. There's like a beat where Rosario Dawson comes out of the fog and like takes that little bow, like very reminiscent right. of the Kylo Ren nod to his uh, opponents in Knights of Ren when he fights them in Rise of Skywalker. Like she has this little like kind of bow and, uh, that would have been the perfect moment to say, I am no Jedi, but right. maybe the story, maybe that would have overcomplicated it. Maybe. Um, and I, the episode is called the Jedi. So I, I mean, I know it's so we're, I was texting with Alex this morning. We were kind of going through some timeline things. So the search for Ezra is five ABY. And I'm not doing any of this nonsense of the new timeline logic that they base everything off the, the sequel trilogy. Screw that. So 5ABY is when they go searching for Ezra. The start of Mandalorian is 9ABY. So we're probably, what, a couple... There's been a couple months that have passed since the first episode. So... Yeah, it's hard to mark the passage of time. I mean, it's not like anyone changes outfits or... (laughs) Uses the bathroom. He just continues to collect more Beskar as the the seasons yeah progress. yeah he's gonna be able to build another another like a beskar droid basically by the end of the season from all of the oh it's the gonna pieces. be armor for grogu oh my god grogu doesn't need that much armor though he's not getting much bigger than that man he's like he needs think... like you can melt down one epaulette and that would be yeah do you, do you think secretly grogu is like really adept with a lightsaber a la like Yoda. Yeah, and we're we're gonna just old. get we're just gonna get a Grogu like flipping around with a lightsaber at some point, and we're gonna Grogu, be like, wait, Grogu, what? It bothers me that Grogu's clearly at least a hundred years old if you go by the timeline back to when the, the temple at Coruscant fell. So like he's clearly a like a like lived really. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but he's still a baby. Well, and they even say in this episode, Ahsoka says, you know, he's been trained by many Jedi. Yeah, masters, many yeah, Jedi masters, multiple masters. He's probably so. probably knows Yoda, and is just like, yeah, that's oh, what I am. Sure. But he just can't tell Mando, like, I don't need to. I don't need to 
to take me to my own kind. Well, and I think, and kind of as we're going into the Grogu Grogu timeline stuff and and just Grogu in general, um, when he when we're we get that kind of they're sharing sharing thoughts and memories kind of moment, um, Ahsoka and Grogu. When they do mention Yoda, we do get Yoda's theme for like two seconds. Um, musical score theme comes in, and there is kind of a look. There is a look shared between Grogu and Ahsoka. So I, I, I definitely, I agree. I think he was trained by, for sure, by Yoda, probably by like Mace Windu, who might be. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I think oh, Mace no. Windu is going to be the person who's going to train Grogu. I think we're going to get survived the. Oh fall. yeah. For sure. He, I mean, everyone else always, who's ever fallen, fallen. Anyone else who's ever fallen down a elevator shaft like Palpatine or Darth Maul or anyone else who's ever yeah. done that and has survived. So Mace Windu is very good at force jump if we look at the Tartovsky uh uh series of Clone Wars. Because yeah. dude like jumps over like a planet or kind of thing in that one of those things. But anyway, I well, it, gel, well, it gels. Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't the most dramatic thing to reveal be that Grogu was somehow trained by Anakin Skywalker, which would give him a connection with Ahsoka Tano, an emotional wouldn't one? She know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's those. The, there's the hollow moment where, um, is it Cal's watching in in the archives? Or Kanan rather is watching, where we see Anakin training younglings. There's like a flashback moment, or it's I don't know if it was in Clone Wars. There's a moment yes, when he's training I, yes, younglings. Yes, you are correct. He is. Yes, he does train younglings, and I think so, it's wrong. So there's, I, I would assume that, yeah, it's highly, highly possible. Which again, getting to the end when they're when their eventual probably de- departure to Tython, which yet another uh, Knights of the Old Republic reference, no. um, is also want to throw out there. Maybe he's going to be trained by a bunch of force ghosts which was what i was hoping for in rise of skywalker that we got just subtly with well since we're all talking about our our hopes and dreams um we all know mine which is that seb stan plays a young or a middle-aged luke skywalker um sebastian stan uh, (laughs) winter soldier bucky barnes from the mcu uh it's a long-held fan fan dream uh for people that because the resemblance is so strong if you look at a Mm -hmm. picture of of like mark hamill as luke circa 1983 um and like sebastian stan they even have like a similar like scar type thing on the face and yeah so that's my hope is that we get a a secretive luke appearance that is some hybrid of mark hamill digitally with the sebastian stan as a stand physical in. stand-in because i don't like when they do the full digital um stuff yeah, i like it better when they're not there yet yeah they're not there yet <laughs> but they don't need to be i mean mark no. hamill's alive and yeah. also you have a, an, a really attractive look-alike version of him who's also <laughs> on contract with disney plus for falcon and winter soldier and yeah if uh yeah, I mean, obviously Samuel L. Jackson is is also under contract with the MCU for for the foreseeable for the rest of his life, likely. Um, so <laughs> he's, yeah. I mean, he's just out in space waiting for whatever whatever is going on out there uh, in in Captain Marvel two 
world. Right. So, right. you know, why not yes. make, a, make an appearance for his buddy, John Favreau, and make a little side cash? Because in terms of other Jedi that we know that are alive, we've got obviously Leia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but we she have- wasn't really a Jedi yet, because because if we're in the timeline where we're at, she doesn't even know she's really force sensitive other until well, Kyra, of the Jedi. That wait, we're we're but no 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 for 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 now. We're nine years after Return of the Jedi. Okay, yeah, that's right. So wait a minute, wait a minute. In this canon, who survived Five Order Sixty Six? To answer your question, did did Jarrus still survive? For example, he's, but he's dead. He's already dead. Yeah, he's dead. Okay. Survived and dead. <laughs> and then, because okay. I have no idea who, who now is considered canon had to have uh, survived. Is they, Maul I mean, truly dead now? Oh yeah, he's I'm dead. pretty sure he's been confirmed as as to still have survived. No, Maul, Maul is dead. Dead. But so, but he yeah. still came back as a cyborg, right? Yeah, yeah. but 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 now now he's dead. Like um, he came back once already, and now he's really dead. I think there's a very like touching touching moment with where there's a very one of my favorite duels in Star Wars in Rebels, where Obi Wan faces off against Maul on Tatooine, and then Obi Wan wins, and he's like cradling Maul, and Maul's like, "Is there any like hope for the galaxy or something like that?" And he's like. And Obi-Wan alludes to to Luke Skywalker. So, and then like Maul, Maul dies in Obi-Wan's arms. And it's like, you kind of get the sense that there's some peace for Maul finally in that moment, which it's awesome. It's one of my favorite yeah. moments of Star Wars. Well, Maul got a lot of He did. He, he has a lot of trauma <laughs> growing yeah, up. I, I mean, just in here. terms of like, he was in one movie and he got chopped in half and he was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, so we otherwise, I mean, because of how all this works, they love to kind of be like, oh, and this Jedi survived because they were on a mission to blah, blah, blah. Um, right. So there's Cal Kestis, who's the the lead in uh, the new Star Wars game. Um, yeah. And then she's not a Jedi anymore, but what is it? Her, her pronounced Sari? 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 I Sari? always forget. Yeah, it's Sari or Sari, but... So yeah. she she's, as far as we know, they're both still alive, but maybe the next game they'll die. Who knows? Well, so um, if it's nine years after... Um, sorry, I'm echoing well, in somebody's audio. I don't know if that's... Oh, Ed muted himself. Okay. I think it's, it's just... It's, I think I just have a bad connection with him. Yeah. Sorry. Nope. That's still there. That's weird. It's not it's nine years after the Battle of Yavin, so it so puts it, us at what four, five years after five years after. So um I was just wondering if Kylo Ren would have been born yet or Ben Solo would have been born yet. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It should yeah. be I'm, Ooh, wait, hang on. I've got Rise of Skywalker. So I'm wondering if maybe uh, I've, or I've got my Rise of Skywalker would visual addiction. Ray, Ray would she? Ventress is dead at this point. Yeah, she she dies in. I want to say in one of the books. Okay. Ray is born nineteen BSI, and Kylo or Ben Solo is ten years older than her. What wait BSI is that the new timeline? This is from yeah. This is from that Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary timeline. I hate I, so, I hate it so much that they I know. that they 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 tried to change the 
way the timeline is. Yeah, because BSI is before Star Killer incident. incident. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. So <laughs> yeah, twenty nine BSI is when. Okay, so twenty nine BSI is when Leia begins trading. Uh. Wait. Da, 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 da. Thirty BSI. Imperial fleet retreats from Endor. Deaths of Vader and Sidious bring end to Sith conspiracy. Han and Leia wed. Luke begins training Leia in 30 BSI. And then around 29 BSI is when Ben Solo is born. So Ben Solo would be alive. Leia, Leia ends her tra Jedi training session on Aegon Kloss after seeing visions of the future and recognizing where the galaxy needs her the most. Also in the same year, just for shits and giggles, Lando Calrissian frees Cloud City. Huh. Huzzah. Yeah, and Asajj Ventress dies. It's a great book. Um, it's She teams up with Quinlan Voss again. I think it's in Dark Disciple. She dies. But if you if if you haven't read or listened Is to Quinlan Dark Disciple... Is Quinlan Voss related to Dryden Voss? Hmm. Kinlan Voss. That's a good question. He was my next question. Is he dead too? Yeah, I think <laughs> he's, he's dead. He's un Who knows? Oh, oh, he's unknown. You're right. Look, he's guys, all of these people are only dead until uh, Disney. Until somebody gone. decides to bring them back. But with <laughs> Mace Windu, wouldn't that one require a lot of uh, hula hoops to jump through? Because no, because he fell. Anyone who falls down, anyone who falls down a, a mine shaft or a hole. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the unaccounted for absence during the the, the Galactic Empire because Windu was first and foremost, uh, you know, punch you in the face with a lightsaber type Jedi. He's probably he probably has a broken hip or something. Maybe he's he's still I down guess. there. I mean, Boba Fett survived, so he <laughs> is I mean, that confirmed in the new canon? Yeah. Yeah. If you watch the rest of the episodes of Mando. No. Of course not. You know that. You only watch the you, you so you watch the Ahsoka episode, and that's the only thing you watch. Okay, you, watch episode you, one. You specifically said to watch this one, and then I was like, "Oh, and it's got Michael Bay okay. too." Yes, cool. yes. Uh, Boba Fett is alive. He survived in episode one of season two of Mando. It is okay. confirmed. So it is. Canada. And it's it's all it hasn't been officially <clears throat> confirmed, but we're gonna it, it's from all for for all intents and purposes it's from what we've seen it's the boba fett's going to get its own spinoff his own spinoff show in the near very near future and then mm -hmm. i think they're already casting and yeah so confirmed members. so yeah that's rumored ahsoka trying to get her own show is occurring mm -hmm. but we're not sure um then we've got the obi-wan is a six series um, in between Clone Wars and New Hope. Yeah. I know, I'm sorry, in between Rise of the Sith and New Hope with Ewan McGregor. And then um, we have a uh, the Cassian series. Um, character from Rogue One, Cassian, is going to yeah, get his own series. They'll be in like kind of a, that'll be pre, they'll be in the same period of time. That'll be interesting, I wonder. You know what I realize that sucks is that not only did Jyn Erso only get one movie, but they also stole her name for Mandalorian. Like it's spelled differently, but Jyn, you know. Oh yeah. And yeah. it's kind of yeah. like pretty similar. I I sh yeah I don't think it's the end of I don't think I think we might get more of Jyn Erso as in in some in some form or another um, beyond just the book that she's in and, and Rogue One. 
but yeah, she hasn't met Cassian, so she's not going to be in the Cassian series, which is unfortunate because that, that would have been a prime, a prime opportunity. But I'm also holding out for like, you know, maybe there'll be some Saw Gerrera stuff and we'll get Jin when she's like 16 being a freedom fighter. I know, being a rebel, like a, yeah, like yeah. a rebellious teenager. Yeah. So that's, that's possible too. Well, let's get back to the episode because we've yeah. wandered, we've wandered down several maelstrom. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a fun edit. edit. <laughs> Poor Steven. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's tons of stuff with, with Grogu and, you know, we, we went through kind of his training and one thing, Alex, that you pointed out in your notes here uh, was the attachment that Ahsoka points, points out when, when they're doing the whole stone levitating trial thing they what did she didn't test his m count you know but she she uh did try to kind of see how his skills have have held up and they certainly have um but there's this attachment met and this also visible fear in her in her face about not wanting to she's she's it's happened to the best of them um in terms of turning down to the dark side so alluding to her master anakin yeah, and that's going to be, I mean, I, I watched this with my husband who hasn't seen any Clone Wars cartoon and never, like, never did any of the books or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ahsoka was a brand new to him character. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, which was an interesting experience because I was just like, this is, this is so badass. This is so amazing. And there were things that he was just, like, not as excited about as I was. So I kind of was watching his reaction there. And his takeaway was, why isn't she thankful that he brought this thing to her like shouldn't she be like thanks like i'll take it from here like because that's like what jedi do and i'm like well she's not technically a jedi it's not really her responsibility to train grogu like you know it's mando's responsibility because it's his code and now he loves the thing clearly um i will say this though when when they're doing the test with the pebble and then mando thinks to use the little ball that um Grogu loves from the ship the genuine pride and and reaction that Mm -hmm. we get out of Mando when he's so excited that you know like it like a kid kicking their the first goal at a soccer game you know just it was like the most paternal um thing we've seen out of him because we don't get a lot of exuberance from Mando it's just not his personality um So I thought that was a really nice moment. And and for Pedro Pascal, he's given a lot of interviews about having to like bond with a puppet on scene and how he acts like a lot of his work is voiceover work, right? Like he's either just filming in the suit, doing the physical stuff, or he's in a studio with a microphone. And when he does the voiceover work, he actually has um, a stuffed Grogu (laughs) Mm. that he holds like he will as if it were in the scene so that the voice acting can reflect the physical connection and i just thought that was a really um sweet moment as a parent myself i I just thought it was cute oh it's yeah it's it's a highlight uh of the show and then (laughs) and learning his name too like just seeing grogu's reaction to hearing like for all intents and purposes like ahsoka confirmed he's looking at him like a father basically and and his reaction to um mando speaking his name they're both orphans. Yeah. And it's interesting to wonder what else Ahsoka gleaned from from what Grogu told her, quote unquote, like basically mm-hmm. because we know Mando from our perspective, like you know, but we don't 
we don't know what Grogu thinks of him and all of like just the, the being on the whirlwind of a ride that he's been on for two and a half seasons so far like this kid just meets a bunch of new strange people every every episode and right. uh some some of them are horrible and some of them are great and that's just the you know he just is along for the ride and i mean yeah yeah no it's it's uh it's yeah it's a great it's a great great revelation and I'm very excited to see what more we'll learn about Grogu as as the rest of the season uh, progresses. It's like since the very first episode when we got this reveal of like, oh, the, it's not just the Mandalorian, like this whole story is about Mandalorian and this little baby Yoda creature that we were calling him. Like we've all yeah. had so many questions that have been almost completely unanswered. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and get... obviously the showrunners knew the answers, but like it's interesting how they chose to get that information to us. Well, right. and to even get those like tiny little morsels, I feel like opens the floodgates of like, like okay, so you know he was at the temple and he was trained. Who trained him? And you know, did Ahsoka know him? Like, did he know Yoda? Like, is it yeah. Yoda's kid? You know, like all of these different things just like open, open up. You would you know, think she would say something. Little... Yeah. about the Yoda because she says she makes a point of saying I've only known one being such as this and uh, Master mm-hmm. Yoda blah 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 like you'd think she would have taken the time to be like and Grogu knows him too because it's his uncle or something there's any right. relationship at all there but we don't know that and yeah I, um, I I get the sense that they both know Yoda just from okay. that brief exchange just because if when he's she says many masters yeah when she says yoda he looks right up to her uh, in that moment and <laughs> yeah. so i feel like we have that and yaddle is the only other one canon wise of that species that we've that we've seen uh, in in official canon and she's she had been dead already before ahsoka would have met her um okay. and would have been dead before because i was thinking like oh is this some type of um Still, I'm still not, still not completely away from the thought that Yoda's species are some type of like dharmic reincarnation. Hmm. That there's a limited amount of them that that just perpetuate. Right. And I don't know. That's my thought about it. And I was like, oh, is this like Yaddle's re like reincarnation after Yaddle passed? Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think it syncs up timeline wise, but. Well, so we've got the the lovely scene um, that's sort of, you know, reflective of the relationship between Mando and Grogu. And, and we get the, you know, as we do in almost every episode, this tit-for-tat exchange between Mando and another third party where it's an exchange of goods and services. If you help me, I'll help you kind of um, agreement in the, in the, you know, kind of call back to the lore of of relations between mandalorians and uh jedi with a mando and a jedi they'll never see it coming um so we get another fucking badass like beautiful cinematography um battle scene with wow, ahsoka so cool. and her lightsabers this one even better than the first one i mean that scene where she comes up behind those two robots or i can't remember if it's the guys with the mouth pieces or if it's the robots when she draws the lightsabers kind of on the same horizontal Mm -hmm. 
line is like mm. my still from that episode. It's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have kind of two two duels going on at once. We've got um, what's going on behind the wall and the one that's kind of waiting in the wings between Mando and Michael Bain. <laughs> um, I was wondering, this is another thing I'd like to see covered in the gallery episode. The sound editing for this scene is so good. Um, and the mixing uh, is, it's really rich. The Her mic, I mean, her voice, Rosario Dawson has a very distinctive voice, but she managed to sound like Ahsoka probably because she's a fan of Clone Wars and she's watched the show enough to, to get the nuance of, of language and accenting correct. Um, but the sound editing going on while the magistrate and Ahsoka are fighting inside the walls out on the street while Mandalorian is having his conversation with Michael Bain's character. I wondered if they were filmed simultaneously, like if they really had the, the actresses, cause it sounded, you know, it sounded like you were standing outside that fight scene with the Beskar spear um, and the ladies vocalizing as they were dueling. Uh, so that's something I like to see cover, but that was really nicely done. Um, and then we get the governor that Alex told us a little bit more about heroically um, volunteering to help save the day with coming out like right, right as those yeah. villagers are about to get executed. The Mandalorian shows up at the same time, but um, you kind of got the sense that this guy was trying to be a hero too. And that was nice. Yeah. And then at the end manages to, to save well alert alert whether or not uh din would have would have saw that hk yeah droid or not but that awesome kind of just quick uh shoot it through the head was was pretty pretty fantastic good thing he's a quick draw i mean that was that could have been it (laughs) it's it is really cool too with the beskar i don't know when when did beskar become lightsaber resistant yeah that's good to know too. I mean, because the only thing I knew was cartosis was the common way that <clears throat> with like they had the cartosis shields, and this is all legends now. I don't remember where it was introduced, but that could stand up against a lightsaber. But does it have to be pure Beskar to uh, be able to? Beyond my skill set, I don't know, Alex no? or Ed. Do you any anyone weigh in on that? Um, you know, my only other thought, and I don't remember, there's some kind of alloy that, um, you know, speaking of the Dark Troopers, like part the first half of Dark Forces, you're just trying to get this like secret alloy from like some Imperial base, if I'm remembering correctly, and that ends up being what the Dark Troopers are made out of. Oh, cool. And I think that was the same thing. It was like lightsaber resistant and stuff like that. Maybe it was Cortosis. Oh. We're just kind of merging that stuff. With all together now, maybe Cortosis <laughs> is Beskar, and and maybe that's what the you know, yeah. Sorry, I got, I got the my memory from the Clone Wars, and that's it. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Maybe oh well. So I don't know. It's not really a spoiler, I guess. I, we were talking, I think, before we recorded that Giancarlo Esposito kind of spoiled the fact that those are dark. They're, they're going to be dark troopers. I I was thinking that for sure they were they're going to be made out of Beskar. Um, Whether or not they're like hybrid cyber cyborg clones or if they're just robots, I'm not sure. But 
the that would then kind of be another kind of awesome uh, moment. Oh, and there is a whole thing about Jesus. It was in the Thrawn, the second Thrawn book too, right? Where the yeah, where Duku, like yeah, Duku was working on a new droid. Like there was going to be a new droid that was lightsaber resistant as well. I don't know, but I just like that uh, Giancarlo Esposito spoiled that. like one of the biggest plots <laughs> of this season, and I imagine him doing it in in your voice, Stephen. Just I have spoiled your series. Goodbye. <laughs> just <laughs> they come in, ruin it. Still, still acting it. No one I, at Disney's gonna yell at him. You know, like he's not getting in right. trouble. <laughs> right. I I I'm thinking that oh, this could be a really interesting tie-in. I didn't even think about it that whatever the dark troopers are in armor, maybe there is going to be some tie-in to that separatist droid that is introduced in, I think it's the second book of Thrawn, the new, the new Thrawn trilogy. Mm. Cause that was a whole, that was the whole thing was like combating the Jedi and then the, 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 the armor itself too is pretty impervious to blasters. So maybe that's something that we're gonna, we're gonna experience, but yeah can't wait to see thrawn i hope we get thrawn i wherever we get thrawn um what's mads mickelson's brother's name his first name i think it's lars right lars yes so he he voiced uh thrawn in rebels so i'm hopeful he he's thrawn looking (laughs) he looks kind (laughs) of like thrawn uh so that's a good question i'm hopeful that Ed, who would you? Ed, you're a, you're a Thrawn guy. Who would you cast yeah, as your Thrawn? It's it's tough because I haven't read the new Thrawn books. So when I think of Thrawn, uh, most of the people I'd think of to play him would be way too old at this point. That's tough. I mean, when he was younger, Clancy Brown has a very Thrawn face. All intimidating, yeah. but he can do sensitive uh, demeanor about him. Very angular look. Uh, but now. He's, a, uh, he's already been in Mandalorian already. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. He plays a Dobroni, um, a Dobronian uh, mercenary. The guy, whoever you get to play Thrawn, it's got to be the same person who would play like King Claudius in in uh, Hamlet. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> you know, you just got it like he's the bad guy, but when people say noble villain, it's usually a BS designation. Most villains aren't noble, but Thrawn actually was noble. Uh, his original yeah. ending was a huge letdown. I hope they fix that. Uh, but oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was just like, wow, that's how he's going that's out. That's it. <laughs> After oh. all that stuff, no, apparently uh, not. Final, apparently, it's not how he's going out. I hope not. His final words were like, "It was so well done, though." It's like, yeah, it it was. It's a shame. Um, who yeah. could play Grand Admiral Thrawn? I I don't know. I don't know. There was. Um, Oh, it's, we it at... also you also have to look at the, the the trick with Disney is you have to also look at the broader Disney landscape because they almost never do one offs with big characters like yeah. it's always when they're borrowing from like the MCU or what's Brosnan doing right the now? Rock you know the Rock is in the Jungle Cruise movie and Pierce Brosnan Pierce Brosnan I think Pierce he's Brosnan. I think they're great <laughs> I would go yeah he uh the model that they used at the like 
at Star Wars Celebration, they had this giant mural panel. The 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 picture that they had for Thrawn, the dude looked looked shockingly like Pierce Brosnan. Well, that would be awesome. So that's probably where I'm getting that from, but maybe like a Colin Firth could do it. Well, I was gonna say Colin mm. Salmon. That's the guy I would oh. pick. He's not too old. Colin Salmon would be awesome at that role. All right. Um, see that yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, put a wig on him, color him blue, give him red eyes. Yeah. Or and like a, a Ralph or Rafe. Is it Rafe Fines? Rafe Fines. Yeah. That's, oh, that's, oh, a very, yeah. Um, I could see already, that too. You can't, you can't, there's a lot of people you can't use already, right? Because you can't use Liam Neeson. Right. You can't use like Pedro Pascal. Whoever it is, it's got to be pretty, pretty, uh, unless they're going to have a really cunning uh, stunt double. Thrawn's yeah. pretty. How about Jason Isaacs going with the British actors. Ooh. Oh my God. That would be good. Jason Isaacs would be Isaacs a good choice too. You do need, you do need, I mean, there's always the, the bad guys with the British accents in Star Wars are classic. So Yeah, and Thrawn's got a pretty stellar uh, British accent, at least in every time we've heard him. I know, yeah. <laughs> well, then I've, I'm like looking forward to seeing someone who speaks the Queen's English uh, <laughs> in that role. Um, yeah. Do we have any speculations? I, I have to jump off soon. You guys don't have to stop when I stop, but I've been... Um, I've been doing this for off too. I've been doing this for four hours today, and I think my family's ready to kill me. Um, so maybe we should wrap with what we think is going to happen next week. I, I, my thought is, is it's going to be an interlude episode, yep. and we're going to end with a two-part, two-parter like we did in season one. Same. I think it's going to be a brutally depressing episode. I'm tempted mm -hmm. to not watch it until the following week, but I know I have to. I'm going to have problem. to. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'm sure it's going to be a huge letdown with either Baby Yoda or Mando or both being in custody and us fearing for their lives. And then eventually we'll have to see who comes to their rescue. I don't know that it will be Ahsoka. It would be cool if it was, but I don't think we're going to see her again this season. And I think um, we'll just have to rely on our usual suspects of the like Cara Dune, mm -hmm. um, Grief Karga. And he has made some other friends across the galaxy so who knows but you know frog frog lady <laughs> yeah frog frog husband yeah uh baby frogs and uh obviously we've got bo-katan and her yeah. crew um, uh, sasha banks did say she's not in any more episodes this season oh. whether or not that's a red herring or not, well we do know. have uh the gunslinger i mean we can go back to timmy yeah. with the old yeah. front and yeah. uh armorless now I, just, I guess it depends where where Moff Gideon ends up catching him and who he's with at the time is going to be a big deal. Because if he is yeah. at a Jedi temple with another Jedi, that does strengthen his position, but it also puts that that Jedi in risk uh, in harm's way. Right. And right. we know we know this is going to be the episode where they get caught because Disney Plus tweeted this morning that oh, people no. should re rewatch episode twelve to get ready for episode fourteen. And episode 12 was the one where it ended with Moff Gideon, you know, showcasing his new dark shiny troopers. dark troopers. We will be ready. Oh, okay. Well, and yeah. I think they even said we will be ready in the tweet, like in a hashtag or some, something. So I'm like, yeah. I'm not ready. And if you make me be in any more angst before this year is over, then I don't well, know. I don't really yeah. have, I don't well, have any threats for Disney. They're, they're going to continue watching the show. No. <laughs> it'll it'll be interesting if they make it to Tython. Um, I don't think they will. The next episode, I think that's but... going to be a season three thing. Mm, okay. We do know, yeah. however, that season uh, four has been greenlit. Right. And also Giancarlo Esposito said 
the plan is for four seasons. So plan is for four seasons. So, you know, just doing his normal thing of spoiling everything for I am ruining the show for you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll kill the baby. Yeah, Um, that's how it'll end. He'll just be he'll just have like a straw punctured into Grogu and he's just gonna be Dude, if he knows so much, why didn't he tell us his name was Grogu? Like he knew like Car Car Dune's middle name, but dude didn't know. Like he couldn't have been like and Grogu. Yeah. The child of the Jedi Temple. That's the, oh, that's the one question I had for you guys. Who smuggled Grogu out of the temple? And when? Like, how did oh, they know? Man. How did they know that the Order 66 was coming? Because if nobody else got out of there alive, how did Grogu? I don't know. It's a good question. I Feasibly, don't know. Feasibly, somebody, I mean, it's not like a bunch of non Jedi people were getting around the Jedi Temple. I mean, other than well, Leia's stepfather, yeah. there weren't a whole lot of civilians uh in and out of the temple rescuing younglings yeah he didn't do a good job of rescuing that one no he rescued nobody except for leia yoda yeah Yeah, yoda i mean well yoda was off with the wookies yeah i i don't know i don't know i think it's it's maybe maybe handless mace windu this comes to the rescue. Handless, handless <laughs> mace. <laughs> yeah. Armless, armless mace. When you guys, if he shows up with an eye patch, I quit. <laughs> That's the crossover. I'm yeah. Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah. Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Mace Windu. Handless. One eye. Yep. No, I don't know. That's gonna be. That is an. That is a good question. I because I. I don't really, there weren't a ton, unless he wasn't, I don't know, they say he smuggled them out of the temple, so I don't know, it's hard to say. Yeah, we can, we'll <laughs> figure it out. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll learn someday. Well, Alex and Ed, thank you very much for joining us this week. We um, would love to have you back to reflect on future episodes, especially when the inevitable Thrawn appearance occurs, Ed, uh, you'll have a... Yeah standing yeah. invitation we do hope you'll watch at least one other episode of mando though because that that timothy oliphon episode i think you'd really enjoy yeah Good. i do like timothy oliphon he's extra sexy in some some cool costume in uh episode one yeah 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 all right thank you so much for for inviting me on yeah this was a ton of fun and yeah, anytime, you know, Steven's getting a little too cocky. Oh, for sure. Come in and, and give him a hard fact, fact check. I'm, I'm here for that. That's so. basically, I mean, I don't know how, how his other friends describe him, but when I think of cocky, like Steven Garrett is the <laughs> face I see. Um, but you're welcome to come back even if he's not cocky. We love having you, Alex. And um, yeah, it, it's, I, I think uh, you don't have to wait till the Thrawn episode, but Ed, Ed does. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.